The following episode contains major plot points of movies. A spoiler warning is advised. This episode also contains topics that may be disturbing for some viewers, so viewer discretion is also advised. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Abby Nora Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Leah. How's it going, slap nuts? Can we not yell, please? Okay, fine. I realized last week when I was re- doing <laughs> the editing for last week's episode that I sounded really loud. And I apologize if anybody's eardrums were shattered because of it. Yeah, because you are a very <laughs> loud person. It's not because you're Italian or Irish, but I think it's because it's just you. No, I think it's like a family thing. I mean, growing up, especially around my father's family, like there's a bunch of us all talking at the same time, trying to get a word in edgewise. You no, have to be the loudest to be heard. No offense, so, but your father is really loud. And they're also very passionate people where it's like if they're talking about something that they're passionate about, the louder the volume gets. So, and that's of course, how you get Yes, so we're actually recording this the day after we recorded last week's episode, which was, remind me again what it was, oh my god, what did we do yesterday? (laughs) Soundtracks. Musicals. Yeah. Yes, we did the musical debate. You know, she does this show, and she does all the work and everything, and then she forgets this? Wow. I've had a long day, okay? it's We're recording this Monday, May 16th. It's been a long day. I had to work. I'm very tired because somebody wouldn't let me sleep last night. So really. I'm the one who has to have the memory of these two. But, us. but we did just finish watching Shudder's... Fangoria Chainsaw Awards 2022. Mm-hmm. It was actually really good. I was actually quite impressed with it. I think it's better than the Oscars this year. I think, <laughs> you know, because you, you, you had asked me after we got done watching it what I thought about it. And I thought it was really well put together. Because as most of us probably know from watching horror movies... The horror industry doesn't get the same kind of recognition that other movies do when we think about the Oscars or the Golden Globes or other award shows that are a little bit more mainstream. So it's nice to watch films get the recognition that they deserve in these sorts of award ceremonies. And especially, especially when it's celebrating the movies that came out last year, 2021, I'm very happy with a lot of the movies that won certain segments and awards, and I... I, I was really, like, excited. I will say this, that with, I think it was last year's Oscars or something like that, Parasite, the horror movie, won for Best Picture. That's, like, very rare. But that's a good it's accomplishment. A, it's a good accomplishment. However, like I said, when it comes to horror, it's a very rare occurrence. But I will say with this show, it went, it went smoothly, it was perfect, and at least no one slapped anybody. Let's not go there. I'm just going to... I'm just I'm just. I've saying. been doing a pretty good job of biting my tongue when it comes to that situation. So I'm going to go ahead and we're just going to quickly go through all the awards. For best score goes to John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and Daniel Davies for Halloween Kills. Which I totally deserved it. And another thing too, as we were watching these awards go through, we each kept guessing who was going to be... Like when they were listing the nominees... We kept guessing who it was going to be, and we almost got it right every time. I know. So I was very uh, happy uh, to hear that Halloween Kills won that one. I think my favorite one is actually Psycho Goreman won twice. We'll get to that. I so, know, but it was very awesome. Award for Best Supporting Performance goes to Millicent Simmons in A Quiet Place 2, mm-hmm. which I was so happy she won that. She really deserves that award. She did. And she gave an amazing acceptance speech. When she received that award? Didn't you almost cry at that? 
Not really. I'm still kind of trying to get through this COVID thing with that, like, raspy voice and, like, <laughs> slight cough situation. Yeah. So. Yeah, same. Anyway, I loved her acceptance speech. I thought it was very touching and moving. And I thought that John, Krasin- John Krasinski, in his efforts and role into making this movie happen, did a really phenomenal job of casting her specifically. And I thought it was really good. Yeah. And then. For award for best first feature goes to Saint Maud. Uh, award for best creature effects goes to Monsters FX and Steven Kostinsky for PG Psycho Gorman. And I'm sorry if I butcher anybody's names. I will try to sound it out to the best of my ability. That's why I nicknamed her the Butcher. Shut up, Colin. <laughs> Award for Best Streaming Premiere Movie goes to Fear Street Part 3, 1966. That had me screaming. 19, you mean 1666. 1666, I apologize. That had me screaming. And I, I, don't, I don't express it enough on this show because I'm trying to wait for a right time where we can actually sit down and discuss the Fear Street trilogy in length. But I am so happy with those movies i love that trilogy it's mm-hmm. like my new favorite slasher movie series and i'm so happy that it won the awards it did for this award show and i just could not have been more excited to see this award get presented to them award for best documentary goes to woodlands dark and days bewitched a horror of folklore or folk horror yeah, which actually I love that documentary. I watched the whole thing, and it's so good. We don't really watch a whole lot of horror movie documentaries, but no. we really should. And I think it would be awesome to go a much more deeper like discussion. You, you know what they should have um, put on there what? for documentary? The uh, the uh, the darkness documentary. Oh, in search of darkness. They should have put that on. You there. know, you would think that they would, considering that. Jacob's wife was nominated for a couple of awards. They didn't win, unfortunately, but they know, were sadly, nominated. Barbara Crampton did not win an award. But I don't think they came out in twenty twenty one, though. They did. I think the second one did actually. The we'll have one, to look into that. The but that one did. But the other that one, is a good documentary. I will give you that. They should. They sh- that should have won an award somehow. Okay, so the award for achievement in nonfiction goes to the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few of his specials, and I think they're really interesting. Yeah. Elvira was nominated also for this award. Unfortunately, she didn't win. Mm. But I think Joe Bob Briggs is also just as good as Elvira, so I will give him that. Well, they're both iconic in that midnight type of like show right. vibe. Right. They both probably yeah. came out around the same time, too, well, also, like Elvira, in the 80s. Well, yeah. Elvira came out in the early 80s, and then Joe Bob Briggs, he came out in the later 80s. Mm-hmm. Award for Best Makeup Effects goes to Christopher Nelson's for Halloween <coughs> Kills, which I thought was really good. The makeup effects in Halloween Kills are pretty good. I, yeah. I will give them that. Exactly. Award for Best Screenplay goes to Ben Collins and Luke Poitrowski. I apologize. For Night House. Award for Best Costume Design goes to Odile Dix Miro for Last Night in Soho. Again, I apologize for the mispronunciations. I'm trying my best. Award for Best International Movie goes to Titan. Award for Best Series goes to Midnight Mass. Now, Mike Flanagan accepted the award for Midnight Mass, and mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan is by far one of the best horror movie directors I have seen in this, like, 
modern era we're in. I mean, there have been numerous directors beforehand that have done outstanding jobs, but I think Mike Flanagan is a real game changer when it comes to his style of directing movies, as we've seen in Dr. Sleep. He takes the whole dreamscape concept of Dr. Sleep and makes it totally surreal. I just love it. He's a great director. (laughs) Phenomenal. Mm. Award for Best Limited Release Movie goes to PG Psycho Gorman, which you loved. You loved that. I'm very proud that that (laughs) actually won awards. Now, I am going to royally butcher this person's name. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. I apologize in advance. I am going to sound it out as best as I can. This but is the greatest thing ever. Award for Best Lead Performance goes to Yahya Abdul Mateen II in Candyman. Did I do an okay job? You did. Actually, okay. you did that pretty good. Your pronunciation okay. and everything was actually on fleek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I was so happy that Candyman won an award too because we I, I think his performance was well deserved. It's well noted and celebrated. It Candyman overall was a phenomenal movie in 2021, and Nia DaCosta, her success in you know having a number one release in the box office is just um, it's amazing accomplishment. Not just for female directors, but for African American female directors worldwide. I'm just so so happy that Candyman got the recognition that it deserved. And I know you're sitting there laughing at me, Colin. I don't know why you're laughing at me. But you don't have to be a uh, dick. I'm not laughing at you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just I thought it was something really funny. Award for best director goes to Edgar Wright for Last Night in Soho. Mhm. And I believe oh there's two more. I remember my Last Night in Soho. Now, I shared this one on our Instagram stories, but Award for Best Kill goes to The Bread Slicer in Fear Street Part 1, 1994. That scene is the best scene I have ever watched in a horror movie. First of all, I I found an interesting fun fact. I don't know if I ever shared this with anybody on this show, but let me find Mm. it. I had it written down. Oh my god, it's so fucking cool. And even um, the director of Fear Street, she expressed how happy she was to have made that scene. She gave a lot of credit to the actress who played Kate in that role, to the creative department of the production company. Like, they went through so many watermelons, apparently, to try to prove that this type of kill scene could work. So the art department tried to convince Lee Janik um, that a human head wouldn't go through a bread slicer. But she was adamant that it would. And to prove her wrong, they brought a bread slicer and shoved a watermelon through it to show her it wasn't possible. To their surprise, it worked perfectly and the and everyone in the production office cheered. Yeah. They mythbustered that shit. Like, I was so happy to read that and I was just like, oh my god! It won an award and I was so fucking happy. Good. Uh, I can't get over how fucking good that scene was. I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep gushing, but I'm just so happy. Well, no pun intended, but yes, she's gushing. I gotta find my place in my notes. Hang on. Bear with me. Oh, babe. What are you doing? And then the last award for best wide release movie goes to Malignant, which... It was an okay movie. Had a lot of mixed reviews upon its release. 
I do. I will give James Wan credit though. The idea and concept for *Malignant* was pretty original, and I, I, I just think that you know. Wait, wait, James Wan didn't he directed *Freddy vs. Jason*? No, I don't think he did. No, that's another guy. Never mind. James Wan directed *The Conjuring* movies. That's right, he did. Yes, he did. Yep. Okay, that was him. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyways, we enjoyed this, and so yeah, I just wanted to. I wanted to go through that because, like I said, it's fresh in our minds. It was a very successful award show. Super happy to watch it. But yeah, we, we congratulate to everybody who like participated and was nominated and won awards for their yeah, achievements. Even, even though these people are never going to hear this, but yes. But it just makes me so happy to see award shows like this. Like I said, the horror industry doesn't get that kind of recognition when it comes to award shows. And so, I'm glad yeah. that we got to do this. And At least they got one night to do this. I know. It just it makes me happy. Yeah. And I'm happy. So. And on that note, we will go into our episode that we are doing today and it's a remake debate from the original to the remake. Yeah, we haven't done a remake debate in a long time, <laughs> I feel like. I can't remember when the last time we did a remake debate was. Was it Nightmare on Elm Street? Not really. I thought we did. I I'm not going to look back on it, but anyway. Don't do it. While we were sick with COVID and we were quarantined from home, we were going through a bunch of different movies through various streaming services and we oh, yeah. we was, came across I watched a lot of Disney. You watched a lot of Disney. <laughs> I wanted to watch some horror movies, so we compromised on watching the Carrie remake from 2013. You know what? I and I I decided that once we were feeling better enough to get back into doing the podcast that a remake to Bake was in order and I thought that Carrie would be the movie to do it. So here's a thing that I was going to say. Okay. When I was in COVID mm-hmm. and it was hell. Mm-hmm. Literally, there was a time in COVID, in my COVID where I couldn't stand loud noises and I couldn't really like I had very sensitive hearing. So for me to watch something was kind of merely impossible. So instead, I watched a silent film. And it wasn't just any silent film. It was a German silent film from 1920. It was called The Doc- uh, the, um, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the perfect horror movie for me to watch while I was incredibly sick. Mm-hmm. And I had very sensitive hearing. So I thought a silent film could really help me to make me feel better until my hearing comes back that you know till it got better and it did afterwards the next day so i was super happy to watch the cabinet of dr caligari it's one of my favorites yeah and i'm actually reading some bits about carrie on imdb but i found an interesting one so i didn't realize that carrie was actually the first book that stephen king wrote oh it did yeah you didn't know yeah and he recalled that he was paid just $2,500 $2,500 for the movie rights to carry, which may seem like a small fee, but he fee. he has no regrets, and he has said, quote, I was fortunate to have that happen to my first book, which I think is really, really cool, you know, you know, like, it's his, it's his first book, it's sort of like his baby, you know, it's his and, first baby, yeah, yeah, so it's like, to have something as successful as the movie carry happen, and to see it portrayed on the big screen, you know, like, it's a, it's a huge accomplishment, probably, oh, yeah. So, going into the Carrie movie, the original movie was released on November 3rd of 1976. It has a runtime of an hour and 38 minutes. It was directed by Brian De Palma and has an IMDb score of 7.4 out of 10. It stars Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, 
William Catt, Nancy Allen, John Travolta, and Amy Irving. Yeah. Uh, the synopsis goes, In this chilling adaptation <laughs> of Stephen King's horror movie, or horror, horror novel, sorry, mm-hmm. withdrawn and sensitive teen Carrie White faces tauntings from classmates at school and abuse from her um, fanatically pious mother at home. When strange occurrences start happening around Carrie, she begins to suspect that she has supernatural powers. Uh, another fun fact I found. To prepare for the role, Sissy Spacek isolated herself from the rest of the ensemble. Uh, she decorated her dressing room with religious iconography and studied Gustave Dore's illustrated Bible. Which I think is really interesting. Bo Collin, give me your thoughts. What's... Uh, What's your hot take on Carrie? <clears throat> hot take on Carrie. Did you ever read the book? Not really. I mean, I That's read a- I read some of the books by Stephen King, but not all of them. That's okay. I haven't really either. But what I've taken from this, this movie is definitely from what I've seen. It's it's beautiful, but it's also very no holds bar. Mm-hmm. Like there are things in there they do not apologize for. Right. Yeah. They're like because in this movie. In 70s films, in case you've never noticed, in 70s films, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that, are, that were different and very R-rated and the acting and just the craziness that goes on within the films of those times. Like, Blackula or Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all of them, they all are different from each other, but they all have the same thing in common. They're very non-apologetic when it comes to, like, horror and, you know, just... Just really, like, going all balls out. Yeah. And I think Carrie is one of those movies that kind of doesn't apologize for certain topics. Like, it doesn't apologize for addressing, you know, like, the female anatomy. Like, women going through periods and puberty and like it's like it's like almost like a coming of age story i feel like you know yeah and i feel like with this movie i've even told you before Mm -hmm. that with this movie the girls in this are definitely going hardcore on her like it's a witch witch hunt yeah and we'll talk about the comparison between that and the remake in a bit but i definitely get the sense that the girls in carrie who taunt her have a type of like mentality where it's like I feel like back then when it came to like social classes in high school or any school really is the popular ones are the more dominant ones and the geeks or the outcasts are the meek who don't really get to rise above the ranks in any way shape or form they're social outcasts mm-hmm. and to further their popularity or their social status, sometimes those people will seek out the weaker ones and ridicule them for their status. Yes. That's how I feel when I watch the Carrie original, is that Carrie's a girl who just exists, you know? She goes to school, she's you know, goes to classes, she doesn't really seek trouble. But when her presence is made known by the popular girls, it's when they all kind of swoop in and attack. Because mm-hmm. they know she's an easy target. <clears throat> Which I don't like that, that they do that to her. But, yeah, because when she leaves school and goes home, she's got to deal with the constant abuse from her mother, Margaret she, White. So she deals who, with abuse everywhere. Yeah. Margaret White is an odd character. 
And I'm going to, again, I'm going to compare the difference when we get into the remake, but Margaret White in the original has a unhinged psychotic tendency to her where, and correct me if I'm wrong, in the original, we don't see Margaret White go anywhere outside of her home. She, the only places she goes to is to like pick Carrie up from school and then go home and that's it. We don't see her try to function as an individual in society or anywhere out in public as opposed to Julianne Moore's portrayal of her in the Carrie remake. Which we will talk about that more. Which we will get into in a little bit. But I'm just saying there's a stark difference between the original and the remake that I think is interesting. But considering the fact that the remake takes place in a more modern time than Carrie's original did, mm-hmm. I think it just makes sense in that way. Yeah, it does. But what do you think about it all? Like, I think I think the whole notion that Carrie is a girl who, while not socially acceptable by her peers, mm-hmm. she makes up for the fact that she's <laughs> book smart. And I think her intelligence is what helps cause or help strengthen her telekinetic abilities and i feel like with this this is like in the very end it's the perfect revenge for her because even Mm -hmm. though revenge is not always good sometimes it's a rarity that it can be good especially when people have constantly abused you whether it's physical or verbal anywhere you go and that final (coughs) chance where you finally get the final payback carrie took that chance and she did that in the very end of the movie and it was perfect yeah like, it, and I think too, it was everything that I ever wanted. And I think, too, it's, like I mentioned, it's a coming-of-age story about a teenage girl who's just trying to get through life without being constantly picked on and bullied and ridiculed by the people around her. Yeah, but that's And hard. all she wants is to feel like a normal person. She wants to be accepted. She does. She wants to be accepted by somebody. Yeah. You know, because she can't be accepted by the girls at her school. She can't be accepted by her mother at home. She's barely accepted by the teachers at the school who are supposed to be helping her. What and about yet, the gym teacher? Did the gym teacher survive in the original? I don't know. I know she did in the remake, but I don't remember if she did in the original. Probably but not. <clears throat> my my guess is that, you know, it's a coming-of-age story, but it's a, a, at the same time... It's a typical ugly duckling type of story where you take an an average looking girl and you encourage her to go through some sort of glow up, if you will. In this instance, Sue is encouraging her to go to the dance with her boyfriend Tommy, right? Yeah. Or is it Billy? I, it I think Tommy. I think Billy's the the what's her name? Chris's boyfriend's name? Yeah, I think it's Tommy. Yeah, so Sue encourages Carrie to go to the dance with Tommy. Tommy shows interest in Carrie, which makes Carrie feel confident in herself. She's like, okay, I'm going to go to the dance. I'm going to put my trust in this boy, and I'm going to go to the dance and feel pretty and feel accepted and have a good time. Unfortunately, it doesn't go as planned as I'm sure some of you have probably... I'm not going to say spoilers for this one, only because I feel like we've all had enough time now to... We've all had plenty of time to see the Carrie original. I'm just saying. So so for for Carrie to go to the dance and to feel confident, to feel accepted, only to be ridiculed back again, all over again, with Chris's prank of pouring the pig's blood on her head and then accidentally <laughs> kill Tommy well, on that's stage. That's like the most referenced scene in like... 
pop it's a very, culture. Yeah, it's a very high reference scene. It's actually it's actually a highly referenced moment in Fear Street Part Two, nineteen seventy-eight, where um, Ziggy and Nick prank that mean girl at camp with the bucket of uh, red paint. Mm-hmm. So they they carried her. Essentially, is what they call it. They but, carry her along, ha! <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it's 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 something that happens in the story that sets Carrie back a huge step, because now she's like, my mom was right, like they are going to laugh at me, and they did laugh at her. They made a huge mess of herself, like they made a joke out of her. Yeah, and she is now angry. She's distrustful, distrustful. She's resentful, and because she's got all this built-up anger inside of her that's now reached its boiling point, all she can do is lash out. Murder. And I, think, I, can... and I think when that when that incident happens and Tommy gets accidentally hit in the head with a bucket and essentially kills gets killed from it, she blacks out. She goes into shock. She yeah. she just loses her absolute shit. And, and watching that scene, all I can think of is the song "Raining Blood in My Head" by Slayer, <laughs> as that goes on. Yeah, I could just, I just, it's perfect. Yeah. Um. Did you want to mention anything else about Carrie before we? No, I think we covered everything from the okay. bases. Well, in the very end. When the hand comes out, but yes. that's that's also a very and, popular scene too. And I think it's interesting too that Sue Sue is the only person in the movie that Carrie has spared in the original, where she's like, you well, know, she's like pregnant. Well, not only that, I think it's because yes, Sue did throw like a tampon at her in the shower room scene. But I'm sure she didn't. But but. Once once things started to escalate and people were chanting to plug it up and all that, she kind of backed up and was like, this isn't right. Like, this girl is distressed to the highest order and we're all laughing at her for it. Like, she doesn't know what's going on with her body. Yeah, because her mother doesn't teach her these things. Yeah, but it's like, it's it's a moment where she reflects and looks at, like, you take a step back and you look at it from a different perspective and you're just appalled by what's happening in front of you. Mm. So, of course, she wants to do right by Carrie by making her feel accepted by encouraging her to go to the dance. So when Sue is the only person who's spared from Carrie's wrath because Carrie understands that, you know, she her heart was in the right place. She probably didn't intend for any of this to happen. She probably didn't intend for Tommy to get hit in the head with a bucket and die, mm. obviously. So she's like... I'm not going to take my anger out on her. She didn't do anything mean to me. See, at least she was being <clears throat> reasonable. Yeah. Well, at that point, when after all was said and done, there's nothing else she could have done. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I think we covered um, everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel so. All right. So, the remake. <laughs> I like the remake. I was actually shocked about the remake because I thought I wasn't going to like it, and critics actually weren't big fans of it Yeah. what I've seen. But I will say this, I like it because it's a calmer version. It's still the same Carrie and its feelings, vibes, and all that stuff. And some of the scenes are kind of like replicated to the first movie. But I like this one because it's a little calmer, especially with the people messing with Carrie. They're not going on a witch hunt this time. They're actually, they make fun of her or whatever when the moment happens. And it's actually, I'm actually reading something interesting too. Uh, this is the first screen adaptation where Carrie is played by an actual teenager. 
Uh, Sissy Spacek and Angela Bettis, who was in Carrie 2002. Rage version. 2. Yes. Yeah. They were 25 and 28 when they played Carrie. Chloe Grace Moretz, who stars as Carrie, was 15 during the filming. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this in a minute. I'm just looking at something. But So, the Carrie remake was released in October 18th of 2013. Mm-hmm. as a runtime of an hour and 40 minutes, so it's about two minutes more than the original. It was directed by Kimberly Pierce who actually stand, stood in for Moretz during certain scenes when she couldn't be on set because as a minor actress, you only can work a certain amount of hours per week yeah. to not violate child labor so laws. So she sat in and everything? So the director would actually sit in on certain scenes with Julianne Moore on certain scenes where you couldn't see Carrie's face is when the director stepped in. Uh, I am has an IMDb score of 5.9 out of 10. So, it, yeah, right. It was not well received by audiences. And it stars Chloe Grace Moretz, Julianne Moore, Gabrielle Wilde, Portia Doubleday, Judy Greer, and Ansel Elgort. The synopsis goes, High school can be tough for many teenagers, but for Carrie White, it's especially hellish. A shy and awkward teen being raised by a religious zealot Carrie is frequently targeted by bullies, but Carrie has a secret talent. She can make things move with her mind. You want me to go first on my... I will. I was going to say one thing. Okay, go. Um, I feel like with this movie, they more focuses on telekinesis more more than what they did in the original because everyone thought she just said, like, witch powers. Well, in the original, Carrie's character did look into telekinesis. Oh, she, okay. she read books. I thought I knew that. Okay. Yeah, like she read books about it. Yeah, never mind. You go. So, okay. I like this version a lot more than the original. And you're right. Carrie's bullies don't really seek her out for torment like the original. And I think it's because teenagers in 2013, they didn't have the kind of self-loathing that teenagers back in like the 70s and 80s did. It was more of like same instance where Carrie's just a girl who's just existing. When her presence is made known by her bullies... That's when. That's when they target her because she's just there. Yeah. It's not like they seek her out to torment her. She's just there and she's an easy target. It's kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Like in the original, they're, they're, all the girls are like hyenas. And they're all just hanging out, doing whatever, laughing, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they see the one lonely zebra... Yeah. And you know what they do? They go and attack it. But in this case, in this new age, all the newer hyenas, the younger hyenas, they don't go after it. They kind of just sit there, mind their own business, and then the zebra they, just is there. They are opportunists, though. Like like I said, because there's, there's a different type of scene that happens in the beginning where before the shower scene, they're at gym and they're in a pool, right? Mm-hmm. And they're playing water volleyball. And they don't acknowledge Carrie. She's actually standing in, like, the corner end of the shallow end of the pool. And she's just minding her own business. It's only when a ball gets thrown her way and people turn and see, like, oh, she's there. She's got the volleyball. And, you know, an incident happens and they kind of mock her for it a little bit. But that's it. Yeah. And then the shower scene... She's in the shower, she's minding her own business, and then she has her period, and that's when she freaks out, and she tries to go and get help, and, you know, it's because she's so frantic, and... But they also talk about the history of, too, like, in sixth grade, 
they all had problems with her even back then. Yeah, but again, it, it doesn't seem like it really traveled on into their teenage years. It just seemed like, oh yeah, we remember this incident from sixth, sixth grade, but well, that was it. And then this incident in the shower scene, she's having her period, she's freaking out, she doesn't know what's going on, she's getting hysterical. And they see this as an opportunity to continue to mock her. And in typical 2013 fashion, when something embarrassing was happening, all kids would do, if given the opportunity, they would document it. Yeah. Chris's character pulls out her phone and she records the whole <coughs> thing on video. Which comes back to bite her in the ass later on, which I think, which I think is interesting. Yeah, that's her um, fucking fault, because she's an idiot. Yeah, she is an idiot. But going into Margaret White's character, Margaret White in this movie is a functioning psychopath, which is kind of terrifying and very much unlike the wacky version of Margaret White we see in the original. Like, in, like I mentioned, in the remake, we see Margaret White actually go outside of her house. She has a job at a dry cleaner's office, and she rarely interacts with the people at the dry cleaner's. Like, there's an interaction she has with Sue's mother, and Sue's mother is trying to have a conversation with her about the incident that happened at school. And Margaret White doesn't even seem like she's paying attention. She doesn't give a shit. No, in fact, she's like, she's taking a pin, and she's like gouging into her leg. I remember That part bothered Yeah, and I know that bothered you, but think about it. She's trying not to lash out. because Because her... Her, her religious mindset is telling her to just shut this woman up and tell her she's a godless woman. Her daughter is a Jezebel-type person who is going y'all, to corrupt yeah, her daughter. Y'all are whores, and she leaves. Like, and, but she can't do that because she's at work. And she could get fired. So she, that's why she's doing what she's doing. And it's, like, terrifying because it's, like, she bottle like, like Carrie, she bottles this all up inside in the public eye... And then she goes home, and then she gets all wacky and psychotic and self-hurting, like, and it's like it's just crazy to watch. Oh, yeah. It is nuts. But the big finale was amazing. Because just like the original, she goes to the dance with Tommy, she's having a good time, she's actually making friends, and she's, you know, she having fun. Like she belongs for once. She, she feels like a normal teenager for once. But mm. then she goes on stage... And that whole thing happens with the pig's blood. And she, you know, sits there and she blacks out because this all, all this stuff comes back <laughs> tenfold. Her mother was right about them laughing at her. her. Her peers and her gym teacher all made a fool out of her. Like, they were all wrong about people, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it made her angry, which is, which is why she lashed out the way she did. But I liked how she not only took it out on everybody but she really gave the people who were truly responsible behind this prank a run for their money oh yeah like there's these two twin girls in this little like mean girl clique who are all responsible like i think they had a part to play in this prank to ensure that she would be voted prom queen Mm -hmm. and would go up on the stage i think she did something to them where she made them trip and then like a stampede of people stomped them to death good yeah Yeah, so she really does a number on the people that are personally involved in this prank. Mm -hmm. She spares the life of the gym teacher who always tried to be nice to her. And when it comes down to Chris and her boyfriend, Billy, 
she really does a fucking number on them. Like, it is amazing to watch, and I loved it so much. But seeing the full extent of Carrie's power is, like, frightening and brutal. Very much so. A lot more than what we see in the original, but I loved it. Yeah. What did you think? Actually, you kind of explained all of what I was going to say, and I feel like I'm just going to say this. It's very good. Ooh, you know what else I didn't mention? The biggest difference between the original and the remake? In the remake, (laughs) Carrie actually stands up to her mother. She reuses her telekinetic powers to subdue her mother to not only prevent her from self-harm, but to harm Carrie. It's amazing. I'm so happy that, you know, we actually get to see that kind of representation because it's like, it's every child's dream to have the ability and the power to stand up to their abusive parents. Yeah. It's an amazing performance to watch, and I just thought that was amazing. Any other thoughts you want to put in? No. So another another fun little detail I was reading when I was saying, ew. Uh, but in the pig farm scene, because they actually have a scene where Billy and uh, Chris... They go and kill the they pig. They go and yeah. kill a pig, yes. Yeah. Uh, Billy Nolan, who was played by <laughs> Alex Russell, he kisses the sledgehammer <laughs> before killing the pig. Yeah. But Russell actually got <clears throat> sick after this because there were pig droppings on the hammer. Do you know what pig droppings are? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's Poop. disgusting. He got it's sick? Disgusting. That's what he gets. He got sick. Ha-ha, bitch. It, it was interesting. But I think that's a really cool, like, I like this remake. I think it's really good. Yeah. I do too. Would you say that you like the remake more than the original in this instance? I know, um. I understand that the original is iconic. It set the stage for a lot of... But I will say this is more properly done. Mm-hmm. In my case. I mean, I know... You should never, you should not always trust what people say about things, especially about movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me to know that it is a good movie, you have to go and see it. I yeah. mean, you can listen to people and see what they think of it, but I think it's better for and you as a viewer to experience the the movie and the and the story and the magic of it before you really judge it. I know, and and that's what this whole remake debate is for. It's not us pushing our opinions out on our listeners it's us having a a civil conversation between which which is better and why and i mean mean, there there are good things and bad things about both movies that we can sit here and discuss at length but you know we're not saying that one is better than the other in our personal opinion based on our observations of both movies we favor the remake over the original, and a lot of people mm. have different opinions, and that I is love okay. The original, but yeah. the, the but the remake is very well done. I think the cast was perfect for it, and the story of it, and just kind of kind of make everything. A, I mean, it was still chaotic, but it calmed it down a bit. That it, the way it should have been the first one. Well, because I think that when and, it, and this works for both versions, but Carrie's outlash in the end is exactly what it is she is is she's in shock she's traumatized by this incident she is overwhelmed with so many emotions that she blacks out and when you black out from all that anger and rage you don't know what you're capable of doing sure in this instance she used her telekinetic powers to (laughs) kill over half of the student body 
and true it, and destroy her own house essentially yeah. and that is exactly what we witness in both versions is her her blacking out she's in shock and she doesn't realize what she has done until she goes home and cleans up and is like winded down from the whole ordeal and she's like oh my god what have i done and you know it's it's just it's so overwhelming but we're not like i said before we're not sitting here and we're saying you know oh the remake is better you got to you like no we're going to sit here and say the Carrie original this is what we think and why and here's the Carrie remake this is how we feel about it and why like we're not saying that both aren't good we're not saying both aren't bad in their own right they're both good movies but when we sit down and we discuss it and we analyze it from an audience perspective they both have good merits they yeah. both have you know like i will say that there's there's a couple of things about the remake that i didn't particularly like especially like when it comes to some of the effects that they pulled but the same could be said for carrie the original mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah but i think you know i hope that you guys really enjoyed this remake debate i mean we really enjoyed watching the movies for this episode and mm-hmm. we'll definitely try to continuing to do more and i know that the new firestarter movie is coming out very soon yeah it should be actually in the next two weeks yeah so when that comes out and i think a week and a half i guess well yeah but i mean when that movie comes out we'll give it some time for audiences to go see it and then we'll maybe do a remake debate on that one because i haven't watched the original firestarter at length Mm -hmm. but i know when it comes out in theaters i'd like to go see it with you honey yeah yeah and um, actually, I sent you a TikTok yesterday. I was going through TikTok, and I actually followed Drew Barrymore on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And she's got her own show, the Drew Barrymore yes. show. Yeah. She actually had the actress who plays the Firestarter in the new remake on her show. And she was just so overwhelmed by the fact that, you know, I played... Was her name Charlie? Yeah, she played Charlie. Yeah, she played Charlie in the original. And she's like, this is my younger counterpart in this upcoming remake and she actually saw her performance in the movie and she thought it was outstanding and she's just like it's so surreal to like have you on the show and to like talk about how we both were in this movie that is like i know it's it's, so crazy that it is that drew barrymore she's been a lot of iconic movies whether it's comedy action or any of that stuff but Seeing her in a horror movie, you don't. Re- I don't really see too many horror movies that she does. But when she does, she did one of the best. She did Firestarter. Unless you're like me and you consider E.T. to be a horror movie in and of itself. But oh, would you shut up about that? <laughs> but no, I mean, it's Drew, the best movie ever. Drew Barrymore is like an amazing actress. I love her. I also she does a lot of different movies, like you said. She does. She does comedies. comedy. She does. She's done some horror movies. She's done. She was in some, Batman. Yeah, she was in Batman. Yeah. Um, the one with Jim Carrey, I believe. Batman Forever. Yeah, she. Um, the the softest of the Batman films. Yeah, she was in. Was Ever she? After. Yeah. Ever yes, after. that's a scream. Scream was a good one. It, that's another iconic scene that gets referenced a lot in other movies. I mean, too. she was even in the TV movie. Uh, Babes in Toyland with Keanu Reeves back in 1986. Right. Which, yeah, and she was during her heyday when she was uh, uh, in, in her alcohol and drug phase. 
Yeah, and I mean, mm-hmm. I want to point out, like, highlight the the rom coms that she was in with Adam Sandler. Oh, like, she did three with him. Well, yeah, she was in Wedding Singer, The Wedding Singer, Fifty First Dates, and just go with it. No, no that's Jennifer Aniston. I know, but okay, she was okay. in one another movie with him called Blended, which was kind of funny. Yeah. But I also liked her in um, Never Been Kissed. Yes, but no, she was in Never Been Kissed. That's a classic. Yeah. So yeah, and. Uh, she was in a lot of funny, like, rom-com stuff. Are we but. talking about Drew Barrymore now? Yeah. I know. We went from talking about Carrie for, like, a half an hour to now talking about Drew Barrymore for, like... Blame it on my ADD. <laughs> That's what it is, right? I think we're a show, basically, of ADD. <laughs> oh, boy. But, no, anyways. Um, but I think that's enough for the uh, talk of Carrie's. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we did a very I think I think we did a good show. Yeah, I think this was a really good episode. I love doing remake debates. Yeah. I I can't wait to do more of these and um Yeah. But other than that, um where can everyone go to listen to us, Aaliyah? <laughs> so as always you can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Breaker, iHeartRadio, all the good stuff. You can follow us on Instagram. I think that's... Oh, again, our website is still up. If you want to read the blog posts, if you want to go check it out, we have it posted. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. All right. Well, this has been a wonderful (coughs) episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying they're all going to laugh at you. They all are going to laugh at you, Aaliyah. I'm laughing at you on the inside, Colin. Aww. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.